This podcast, produced by 18 to 25 year olds, was entirely recorded in the year of 2020 over Zoom calls, down the phone, and through WhatsApp voice messages. For this reason alone, audio quality may vary. Enjoy the ride. This is the Higher Frequency. Hi, I'm Prachi, and you're listening to The Higher Frequency, a podcast by Youth Music in partnership with Notion. If a man walks in the room and he speaks for me, absolutely, it will get done. We agree with that. I think the most shocking thing was the lack of representation of black women in the boardroom. I'm saying this so you can understand, so you can hear. Even if you don't um, agree, it's about being vocal and putting that information out there so people know. Yeah, as an artist, I find I have to go above and beyond to be seen. Women right now, we're dancing to the sound of our own oppression. I'm Prachi. I grew up in Mumbai and I live in London now. As an Indian girl growing up, I never really saw a correct, authentic representation of myself or my friends in the Western media and especially in the music industry. I never heard someone sound like me at the club, never saw someone who looked like me headlining Glastonbury. And when I dug further into the music industry, I didn't even find anyone like me working in management. Really, I just didn't know where my place was in music who I should listen to, who I can relate to, and who wants to talk about us. And that is just the tip of the iceberg that comes with being a woman of color standing in front of the music world. You're listening to The Higher Frequency, the final part in our six-part series. This episode is A Seat at the Table. Anything you want to change in pop culture in, in just society, really. You have to do that through media and pop culture. It made me realize, like, we never had, like, a Disney Indian princess until, like, last year. Everything for me from the West was so foreign. I'm lucky enough to come from a background that has its own soundtrack and culture. And I see women like me on screen in India every day. But on the global stage, I haven't seen a lot of people pursuing the industry I want to work in. Every day, I see brown and black women trying to find a seat for themselves at the table. This is how I feel as a consumer of music. But what would it be like for women in the industry trying to become artists? Given the current political climate, we know the struggles women face on a daily basis, especially women of color. We're always fighting for a space, a place, for a name, for respect and to be taken seriously. Take me for my music, not for who I look like. If it's taken me 20 years to finally see a few women who look and talk like me in the industry, where was this representation for the girls who've been pursuing this their whole lives and who have, despite the odds, made it? And I'm not just talking about artists. This goes way deeper. The music industry is huge, providing jobs to hundreds of thousands of people but only a small percentage of them are black and brown women. When you only see one type of thing, it kind of makes you feel like this is how I should be or this is the only thing that's available. Along with my correspondent Lydia Gratrix, I decided to talk to some amazing women in music about their identity and what representation meant to them as artists growing up and what it means to them now. We can't ignore the year we've had and the change we are seeing, how all sectors of society are being forced to confront head-on the lack of representation. So, we'll also be talking to the people who are working to make the music industry more diverse and create a better future for women of colour in music. 
Zoya is an Indian American pop singer who makes amazing music you can always bop and relate to. She's collabed with artists and producers like Mark Millen Jr., Chuck English, and Jack Harlow. Before pursuing her career in the States, Zoya enjoyed success in India, but she didn't feel like her genre of pop was welcome there. For me, there was like a bigger dream to chase after kind of, you know, doing everything India could offer. It felt like if I wanted to stay in India, I would have to do some type of Bollywood thing. And it just wasn't me. Like I'm, I'm real. I'm not that like facey kind of artist. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are, I love them, they're homies, they're friends, but that's just mm-hmm. not what I wanted to do. And at that time was when I really started to realize that there is literally no Indian girl in pop music ever. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Like this is the biggest market in the world. Why do we not have representation of an Indian girl? And pop music is so much more than just music, you know? It's it's fashion, it's makeup, it's, it's influencing like a younger generation mm-hmm. of girls and boys. And everything kind of clicked. It made so much sense of like why I was the way I was when I was growing up. Like why I had so much insecurity even to go into the field of music because I never saw someone that looked like mm-hmm. me doing it. Because when I first went to India, I would do that whole daisy thing. Like I would wear bindis and try to cross. I was doing this like folk fusion singer songwriter thing before I moved to pop. That was me trying to figure out where does my Indianness lie in me? Like, Mm -hmm. and then when I went to India, I realized how American I was. And it was just like this weird shock world. And I was like, okay, you don't have to fit into either box. I've never seen Indian girls do that. So as like a woman... There was a lot of insecurity in all of it because I know you don't, if you don't see something, you don't feel like it's normal in your head. Can an Indian girl do this? Like, and do I, I don't even feel pretty doing it because any girl I've seen do it my whole life has been white. Not only did Zoya realize the importance of representation, she realized how important it was for her as an Indian girl to continue pursuing pop music. She wanted to show other girls that they can do the same thing. I can't speak for anyone else other than me. And I think my biggest, my biggest hurdle and journey has been being Indian in this whole music thing. It really has. And it's been, it's been the biggest blessing and it has been the biggest curse. Like if I wasn't Indian, India wouldn't have happened and all this stuff wouldn't have happened. There wouldn't be this idea of me, like of trying to change culture. And, and when I, when that epiphany happened, it kind of felt like in my career, it stopped being about my dream only. It could be about a ton of other girls' dreams. You're only getting older, age is just a number, scary what they tell you. I mean, I actually spoke to someone the other day and they were like, the song in itself is sick, but then when you start saying Amma and like reference it to how brown culture is, yeah, it, it hits home a bit more, and that really that, that made my day because for me it was like a I released a song out of pure frustration. It was never for something, you know, for like a marketing perspective. Isn't it? it was never for me to hit a, a big like banger. It was never that was never my intention. That's Brit, a Tamil artist based in London who is constantly ensuring her identity and culture is incorporated into her music. I released it because I was getting sick and tired of aunties, you know, telling me how to live, telling my mum how to, tr- to treat me. And it just got to a point where I was just like, like, who are you? What do you want from me? Like, 
I don't know who you are. You're just someone yeah. on the phone who just has, for, for some reason, feels like they have a right to tell me how to live. Yeah, it's just, it's just nice to hear what people think. When you say like you try to bring like your Tamilness into your music, how, like how do you actively do that? Like, do you think? Um, so when it comes to certain um, representation, I think when I use um, like Tamil words for um, song titles or if I use, like I, t- I tend to like directly translate it to um, a Tamil word. So um, I'm actually doing a music video for one of my songs. So the song's called Top Boy. There's a, there's a word for it, it's like transliteration. It's like you literally translate it from how it's said in Tamil into English or mm-hmm. vice versa. It just feels like it's a part of me and part of my background in the music. Tamils in a, as a whole in the, music, in the music and media industry are very underrepresented. Mm-hmm. So um, like, even if I can do the like bare minimum of just writing things in Tamil and just showing that you know I am Tamil and proud of who I am kind of goes a long way and people love it people you know it, it's like a big like yay she's one of us so it's nice to see someone who looks like you in the industry. While her identity is at the forefront of her music Prit also thinks that there's a risk of representation being performative and of this virtue signaling leading to tokenism. How important has representation been for you like what do you think that means as a whole and how has it affected you um i think representation is just like stop finding alternative people to represent me i think in the south indian like tamil music industry not music um film actually music as well but film mainly it's like taking north indian actresses and claiming them as to be tamil but they just dub their voices and it's like Why couldn't you just use a normal Tamil girl from South India who are usually darker in complexion and actually represent them instead of using other people who look more desirable to the majority? Like, there's just no point in saying representation and then using someone from a different place. It just, it actually makes no sense to me. Stop with tokenism and just take people as they are and just allow representation to happen rather than say one thing and do another. Due to the media inadequately representing us and reinforcing colorism in gender roles, female artists depend on social media to represent themselves in whatever way they can. But in the constant rolling stream of the news feed, it's not always easy to be heard. Do you think you find yourself having to express yourself a bit more on social media than, like, let's say, like a white man artist? Just because you're a woman of color? Well, to be fair, the music industry is very male-dominated as it is. I kind of have to make noise as a woman. And then as a woman of color, it's like an extra step where I've just got to, you know, be in your face, otherwise you won't really see me. Maybe overly represent myself just so I can be seen. And then people find that, like, really, like, cool. Like, oh, she's wearing, like, Asian jewelry. She's wearing Asian clothing. Like, oh, I wish I could, you know, wear that. And it's like, okay, cool, but... Now you need to know more about me and now I want to express who I am as a person through my music. And are you going to see that or are you just going to see me as this you know, Instagram model that's posting pictures for, for likes or whatever it is? Like, I think there's just so much perspective on social media. It's just, it's personal preference what you do. But yeah, as an artist, I find I have to go above and beyond to be seen. Social media is a powerful tool and it allows us to make the noise to start these much needed conversations. Early this year, with the Black Lives Matter movement being facilitated through online activism, we've seen women take a stand for systemic racism within their industries. Our correspondent Lydia Greatrix spoke to Estee Blue to get more insights about Black women's place in music. 
Over the five years that R&B and jazz singer Estee Blue has been in the music industry, she's realised just how hard it is for people like her to get noticed. You know, black women are invisible in music, but yet black music comes from black women. So how does that work? <laughs> you know, that for me is just, it's very wild. The key things that stand out to me is access. There's a lot of barriers to entry for women, period, regardless of race, right? Add your, you know, your racial makeup on top of that. That adds another layer of discrimination. White female artists get to exist as they are and get to dip within the genres that they like to. Black female artists have to fit into a certain box, right? And then within that box, it's mixed race. Women tend to get favoured over women who have like, you know, two black parents. Estee describes her music as a mix of multiple genres and she's very much inspired by her background. The music that I make is like super introspective, reflective, poetic, kind of R&B mixed with, with jazz and with hints of like Afrofusion music because that's kind of the soundscape that has always been a backdrop to my upbringing. My mother is Congolese, my family are Congolese, both parents. I was born in London, but also bilingual as well. So I speak French. In the the essence of being Congolese, it's kind of a part of our culture. We are French-speaking country and community and that's been a really vibrant addition to my my life and it's also managed to kind of creep up in my music as well. Hence why I like yeah, the transition between being more R&B, neo-soul focused in my earlier works to now fusing that Afro influence into the music I make now. The brutal killing of George Floyd sparked many people on Instagram to post a black square on Blackout Tuesday. Estee noticed lots of people in the British music industry taking part in the movement, but posting on her own Instagram page, she explained how she didn't think that these people were supporting black women and other intersectionalities in music. There was a lot of pain associated with that post. It was actually very hard to to write that because, like I said, I'm not someone that likes to wear their you know, pain and struggle on their forehead. I very much about the beauty and joy of life. But I guess when it comes to my humanity and I guess the humanity of Black people, I don't play with that. This is very interesting because as a Black woman in music, our journeys are almost been erased actually for a very long time in the, in a British music context, you know, for the past 15 years or so, I can definitely say that, you know, seeing a Black British woman on TV. It's a unique experience, like, because there is only one, you know, every three years, there's just one, right? Having navigated my own experiences and and seeing the the interest, actually, the, the rise in R&B soul and jazz and stuff like that, but the faces are not women who look like me. Do you know what I mean? They tend to be, you know, of mixed heritage, or they tend to be like, you know, white singers who sing Black soul and R&B music. So for me, it was very interesting because it's like, this is a paradox, you know, you're saying one thing you're saying black lives matter but are you just talking about men are you just talking about rappers you know are you just talking about the boys from ends or does your blackness include the spectrum of blackness you know does it include black women does it include darker skinned black women and I only use the term darker skin to say that someone of my complexion when actually this when you think of black people you think of women who look like me and globally you know in terms of shade most Black people look like me. Do you know what I mean? But when you look at 
you know, who is charting or who's being pushed in terms of black females, they are always mixed heritage. You know, when I'm seeing certain publications or even, you know, industry figures, I'm just like, this is really insulting because if you really cared for black lives, you know, when I was in an A&R meeting with you, you know, I don't think you should have responded to me in the way that you did. Do you know what I mean? And in my head, I'm just thinking of a specific scenario, you know, where I've gone to an A&R meeting and I've seen black male professional and, you know, really, really highly esteemed. He didn't really give me the time of day, but then I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, Black Lives Matter. And I'm just like, "Mm, okay, that's very interesting. You will not hijack this movement to push a patriarchal, heteronormative, like, I don't know, colorist narrative, do you know what I mean? To center the Black experience on Black men, you know, or just the women that you find attractive. Give me the lowdown on kind of how we can be supporting women of colour in music better? I think it starts with actually just listening to them. How we can do that is by following them on social media platforms, like engaging with them, engaging with their work. You know, if they have, you know, a body of work out, make sure you kind of engage with that, that you share it amongst your friends and that you just, you take an interest in the kind of work that this artist is presenting. Because, you know, like I said, when you can't look to the charts to find representations of black women or women of color, because it's just not there. We're not allowed to, to be there, you know, quite frankly. So there are a lot of independent artists who are black, who are women of color, who are putting out incredible incredible music so engage with them I can just think of a platform now right um it's called Soul Surge it's run by Tony Supreme and he has a show on Represent and No Signal and he's been like amazing for showcasing black British soul artists including myself and so many more yeah so there's platforms like that and it's it's really our jobs as as fans of music to support good music so I think whether it comes from you know a commercialized entity or someone putting it out from you know their bedroom we should still support it as Estee said showing support and engaging with your favorite artists can help women fight this battle with a bit more ease I spoke to Lavs. She's a rapper from Luton and she thinks that having the right people around you can help you grow in this industry. I feel like I have been supported by the people that do support me. They support me hard. So I think it's just about cultivating the right community and listening to the people that do champion me as opposed to, no, you're not welcome here. It's like, okay, I'll build with the people who are willing to build with me on my level and just take it up. So it's definitely been... Um, a lot of grinding, a lot of working, but it, it is what it is. I don't like the term female rappers. It's like, yes, we're women who who rap. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> but there is this, they do make this thing of, oh, anyone can be happening at one time. I think it was Cardi B maybe when she was first coming out. It's like, oh, Nicki Minaj, like this beef with you two. And it's like, can they not just coexist? <laughs> when there are guys, mm-hmm. you have... You're A, you're B, you're C. You don't have, oh, just A, and then A is trying to be like B because, no, <laughs> there's yeah. variety. And the more you mix room for variety, the more that grows. Because somebody sees, oh, I don't really I don't really rock with this person, but this person, I see myself in them and I identify with them. So that's me identifying with that. But when you only see one type of thing, it kind of makes you feel like this is how I should be or this is the only thing that's available. So this is what I have to do. It's like allow allow that space, um, multiple shades, <laughs> multiple mm. body types, multiple, all of that, like let that be seen so that people know the possibilities. 
Laughs uses a platform to start the conversation she thinks are being overlooked. Me being a black woman and being black and being a woman, but telling it in a way that's universal for people to understand, but at the same time not backing away from certain things that um, might be uncomfortable to hear or some things that you wouldn't expect to hear. So, long day, for example. Trust is your loss if you lose me, you know. Holding me back with no roots that you grow onto their neck from the. That video was really a metaphor for my mental health at a time. And usually when it comes to black women, it's like, oh, you guys are just strong. You can handle anything. Like we're still human beings. And I think that was showing a bit more of a vulnerable kind of side of myself, which I think as artists, it helps the listener to know that they're not alone in certain situations. Yeah, they haven't been the only person to go through something or celebrate something. So I guess showing all the multifaceted areas and dimensions of myself um, that I'm comfortable enough to give away to the audience. Despite being as true to herself as she can, Labs has noticed the stereotypes that are put on her. Being a woman of color that raps means that the industry will treat you differently. Just in just on a societal level, that's how it is for women. So how much more an industry where it's like the way you look is even now times 10 um, it's expanded in terms of the way people perceive you. It's like, oh, um, I don't know. If you're looking at certain certain channels, you're like, you'll see, okay, this female rapper, there's like a female rapper look. I don't know what that means, but you know what I mean when I say that. <laughs> a lot of that. It's like, do you look good as opposed to do you rap well? Do you sing well? It's like, why is that something that you're taking into account where... Um, this, this might be coming across like I hate men, really don't, <laughs> love you guys, but <laughs> if a guy can roll up in a tracksuit and you're not saying anything, but women, we need to be, <laughs> our lashes need to be coming out to the to the heavens, we need to be doing all of this, cool, if that's your style, honestly, fine, if that's not your style, you should still be accepted in the same way in terms of craft before appearance, but mm-hmm. as they say, sex sells, but that shouldn't be what we're telling people to just um, lean to if they are women Mm. and they want to get into this kind of industry. It's not healthy, in my opinion. I wouldn't only just talk about one area in my life, in my music. So the same with those kind of artists, but it's like, Mm. yeah, the industry demands that. And it's like, but the people listening (laughs) are not just experiencing that type of thing. So Mm. it is very interesting. It is very interesting. We don't want to, we don't want to hear real stuff, but it's like, but your life is real. So (laughs) how can you not relate to this? (laughs) Along with the bigger systemic issues, we see daily encounters of microaggression against women of colour too. But there have been some changes. Don't get me wrong, over the years I have seen a little improvement, small small step by step. But as I said, as we're saying, we don't want it to be a tokenistic thing. Okay, 2020 was, you know, the year of this, so let's just now tick this box. There's just certain microaggressions that are still there, like... Sometimes people assume I'm a singer. I'll just turn up. It's like, oh, you're still here to sing. And it's just like, did I? <laughs> when did this? When did I tell you this? <laughs> so just little things, and yeah. things like that are still there. So definitely, um, and even the way with, I guess, black women in terms of signing us and thinking that you can um, work with us. It's like we don't know what to do with you. Hire more people that are actually from those communities that can just have that organic conversation of okay this is how I want to be portrayed as opposed to maybe creating a caricature of myself first of all put more women on your lineups <laughs> that's like every summer people will literally remove them out of 
mend out on the lineup and put the, put the women on there. It's like gap, 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 one person, gap, 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 another person. So definitely just, um, like I said, just that awareness. Because when I see tweets like, oh, where are all the female producers or where are all the female um mix engineers it's like they're there but you're not <laughs> you're not I'm actively looking. looking although it can be difficult for women of color in music to get to the top and break down these stereotypes there are people trying to make lasting change Lydia got in touch with a woman who has been working for years to challenge the male-centered structures which dominate the music industry Nadia is a music manager and the founder of Women in Control, an organisation which mentors women in creative industries. I started up Women in Control around three years ago and I started it up because of, I guess, my experiences in the industry as a female uh, coming up. And when I started, it was heavily male-dominated in that job role, um, especially in that genre I was working in within grime as well. It was very male-dominated. And then when I started to look after and manage female artists as well I really noticed there was definitely a lack of opportunities and less opportunities for female artists um, in the music industry so I was keen to create a platform to empower women bring women together um, and start to change the conversations that women were having about empowering themselves talking about their achievements more Um, my first female artist that I picked up was a, a black musician a black rapper and I think that was really eye-opening for me because I felt like I was kind of naive I felt like I just focused on the talent and I was like wow you know she's incredible you know this is going to be amazing and the response that I got from industry executives like showed me that actually there was you know colorism in the industry there was an issue with um you know her not being able to progress in her career because that's not the image that was marketable that was not going to be successful um and therefore was not you know something that they desired to kind of work So it was really like tough and um, an eye-opening experience for me. And I think it's a huge issue and something that needs to be spoken about, this pigeonholing of black music executives as well into genres, um, because you wouldn't do that to white counterparts. And I think that is a big reason why we don't have, you know, Uh, more black females and women of color at the top within um, senior roles because if anybody's working in an organization they ultimately would be like right well you're black you're going to work in the hip-hop section that's what you're going to do you're going to deal with any rap artist that's going to you know happen and that wouldn't happen across any other um, genre and I think that's limiting for you know music executives careers for them to progress because they're seen almost that they that's all they can sit on and then that's all that they're knowledgeable about. Just 6% of number one singles this year have been by women of colour, and clearly that's something that needs to change. Nadia became a board member at the Association for Independent Musicians in 2017, and this prompted her to uncover how many people like her were being represented across the music industry. I think with this year, with everything that's happened following the Black Lives Matter movement and the Show Must Be Paused UK campaign, it led to a lot of organisations within the industry releasing statements talking about the importance of diversity and the importance of, um, you know, inclusivity within the organizations and how that should be a real priority for the music industry um, that really kind of drove me to want to look into organizations um, to kind of understand how they are actually set up themselves one and I also really wanted to unpack BAME um, because a lot of these organizations were talking about how diverse they were in terms of BAME 
And I do find fame like a really problematic term because in essence, you know, any a lot of people can fall under fame. I think there is a kind of a misconception that fame just uh, refers to black and um, Asian people. Um, I'm myself mixed race and I fall under fame. Um, I'm half Asian and half Irish. And actually, when you look at the government definition of fame, uh, it essentially means anyone non-white um, is BAME. So I just think it just blankets everybody and puts everybody non-white into, you know, one category. And it's not really an effective way of, you know, talking about diversity and representation. She found that 0% of CEOs and chairpeople in the music industry were black women. The most shocking thing was the lack of representation of black women in the boardroom. Across the report, and across the organisation, um, there were 185 seats available, and only five of those seats were uh, given or being held by black women in the industry. Um, and I found that number really shocking. And I also found the number of black women working in the teams. Um, again, there was only two positions held out of a possible 120 positions. So these statistics were really shocking to me, and it wasn't what I was expecting to uncover. I wasn't expecting it to be that stark. You know, the popularity of black music in the music industry when you're looking at the history of music and when you're looking at all the conversations that have been happening this year to find out that there was just severe lack of representation was um, really shocking for me. Although the numbers Nadia found were disappointing, she is confident that there are simple ways to increase diversity in the music industry. These figures can be quite shocking to be like, there's so much work that needs to be done. But I in fact think that if you actually start to get more women in the top, more black women in the top in those senior positions and that representation there, that that will really start to filter down and affect the decisions that the company is making, the growth that the company is making, the strategy that this company he's making and also start to you know allow more diverse people to want to be part of that organization because they feel that there's a place for them there so a lot of these organizations have come forward and been like well we're stepping down a lot of board members you know white middle class um middle-aged men or older men are stepping down from um, the board and saying i'm stepping down because i acknowledge that i need to make space for somebody more diverse to come in my place so the ivers academy they've had um, two new board positions added in the last um, few months and their actual elections are not till April next year. So that's change ahead of when they are actually obliged to change. PPL as well, they, you know, in the report, they only had one female um, across 16 board seats. Um, only one woman was sitting on their boards and they've already changed that. Now they've got um, four women sitting on their board and they've got more elections happening in November. So there's a chance to add, you know, more diversity and, and more women. It's just about actually actioning change and, you know, working to understand what are the problems and why is your organisation set up like this? What can you do to change it? And also, why are you not encouraging more candidates to, to come forward? And is it something that's, you know, practices that are going on within your own organisation and how your own organisation is set up and how it looks? Or, you know, are there other factors into that? So it's just about having a real open and upfront and honest conversation uh, with a lot of the organisations and a lot of them have embraced that. It was incredible talking to these women who have worked so hard for recognition in an industry which is still tainted by systemic racism and misogyny. Through listening to their experience, I see a little glimmer of hope for change. And having watched the BLM protests and taken part in these conversations around it, and by working with each other, I am optimistic that there is possibility for women of colour in music 
to rise in all areas of the world. I don't want young brown or black girls thinking that they can't make music or be themselves as artists because we didn't show them that they can be whoever they are. But the question of this movement's sustainability still remains. How will we make the much needed changes in the music industry? I think we should all be more open about speaking about colorism and gender inequalities and as brown people and people of color in general just keep fighting for our rights. I know we're all exhausted, I know we're all tired of seeing the same thing over and over again but it's just we need to find common ground and just work on it and work our way up. Our generation is the one that's just constantly changing and we're not taking you know else we're not letting people take over us we're not letting people say what they want to say anymore so it's so good to see that just keep fighting it's a structural change it's a change in how artists are rec recruited decision needs to come from top down so i think like in terms of the music industry there's a lot of things that need to change i don't and it definitely won't happen overnight this year has been the only year that i've seen change moving forward in terms of diversity so I think it's kind of opened up a lot of conversations and you know there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot of issues there that are going on but there seems to be you know a little door open that there's a willingness to talk about it and a, a willingness to hopefully action change. We have to keep the same energy we have to keep keep pushing keep keep saying the things that we need to do and yeah that's the only way it's, it's going to get changed like that's how the greatest change is made. Like you've got to think about it. People that have been trying to make a change, maybe they don't physically see it, but they partook in that change. So as long as you see it as I'm, I'm um, actively pursuing the change, then it's definitely possible. Definitely. Thank you to our guests, Zoya, Pritt, Estee Blue, Lavs and Nadia Khan for their wisdom and insight. Our correspondent was Lydia Greatrix, Jack Davenport produced this episode and my name is Prachi Mushroom. The Higher Frequency is a bold-faced production for youth music led by Femi Oregon Williams. A massive thank you to Dominica Simpson, Kalisha Patel and the whole team at Youth Music without whom none of this would have happened. And thanks again to Notion Magazine for being the official media partner of the podcast. This is the last episode in our six-part series. You can listen back to all the episodes on Spotify, iTunes and all major podcasting platforms. Thanks for listening to the higher frequency and keep your ears open for series two. Biting my tongue, no dip. I was in the soup. Too many hooks in the place. Man, gonna need a train straight. I was in the soup. Eating my heart out. Just after the clouds.